This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, have you thought about developing relationships with your customers and how they happen organically, intentionally, or even not at all? Are your service advisors making that human connection on a daily basis? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, Carm Capriato here, Remarkable Results Radio. I'm joined by Kay Miller, author of Uncopyable Sales Secrets, How to Create an Unfair Advantage and Outsell Your Competition. Kay simplifies sales to a basic level that anyone can benefit from. In Kay's early days in sales, she worked for Walker Exhaust and earned the moniker Muffler Mama. Now, if you're interested in reading a free chapter of her book, head to the show notes page for the link or find her book on the books page on RemarkableResults.biz. And thanks to our sponsors today, Apex and Shopware. I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor, or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022. Well, now it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Don't wait. Nominations are due August 31st. Go to aapexshow.com forward slash service awards. Hey, face it, your car count and your ARO are the first two numbers that tell you where your shop stands. And those are the first two numbers that Shopware customers see grow. Get more profits when you get Shopware.com. Hey, everyone. So honored to have Kay Miller with me on the podcast. Hello, Kay. Hi there, Car. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you are. Author of the book, Uncopyable Sales Secrets. <sighs> I read that. I couldn't put it down. That's awesome to hear. Uncopyable Sales Secrets, how to create an unfair advantage and outsell your competition. In fact, I think that's what we need badly in our industry, the automotive industry. Now, let me help stitch a little thing together here. Kay's husband, Steve Miller, if you're a huge fan of the podcast, episode 380. Now, we're in the 700s now, Kay. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. We, we are just like a little engine that could, and we keep going uphill, and uh, we're so proud of, you know, we couldn't do it if we didn't have people caring about advancing the aftermarket, not only come on the show, but, but also be listeners. Steve wrote a book called Uncopyable, and of course, you followed it up with Uncopyable Sales Secrets. And I fell in love with that book. I mean, I talk about Cool Kids Club all the time on the show. Yep. It's such a great concept. It's a great concept. It's a great book. So on my books page on the website, you'll see both books from Steve and Kay. You guys are partners in crime. How cool is that to have, you know, two authors and consultants in the house? Yep. It's pretty fun. Hard not to talk business sometimes, though. (laughs) When someone's on and you're off, do you drag Steve and say, come on, turn it off a little bit? Oh, no. We both love this. We both love it. He just wrote another book, too. So he wrote a book called Stealing Genius about the innovation part of Uncopyable. We both published our books on May 17th, same day. So, you know, Steve suggested to the publisher that I take the Uncopyable framework and apply it to sales, which is perfect. And so I had a lot of fun writing this book. One of the things that's really cool about Kay is she does know our business. I love the story of you being an exhaust salesperson for Walker Tenneco. 
I have some very fun stories from that time. And, you know, I didn't set out to be in the industry, but I'm so glad that happened. You know, I mean, when I was in college, I thought, oh, I want to work for Procter and Gamble and sell beauty products or, you know, I had such a limited view of, of what I could do. And, you know, I first went into a hardware company, the first woman ever hired. And then when I was successful, I was, you know, hired away by Walker Exhaust. And that's where I really, you know, got into my groove. And as you know, I became salesperson of the year, even as one of few women. And you know what? Sales is sales. It's it's a people business, no matter what product you're selling. But it was really... What an education and some really fun experiences working in the automotive industry, selling mufflers and catalytic converters. And as you know, I ended up earning the nickname Muffler Mama. <laughs> I want to talk about being Muffler Mama. I mean, where did, how did that happen? You've read the book, so you read the story and I'll make it quick, but I hope that your listeners and viewers will buy the book and hear this whole story because... As a young woman in the automotive industry, I didn't know much about cars. Some people said I wasn't even that great at driving cars, but I have never had an accident except when I was going backwards. I backed into a lot of things. I've never had an accident going forward, but that's another story. Thank God for cameras today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Why weren't those invented sooner? I love that. Uh, I was selling through distribution. So for Walker um, Exhaust, and calling on distribution, selling through to their customers, a lot of muffler shops. And I realized I really didn't have a lot of credibility with them. Uh, you know, here I am, this young woman, you know, walking in, you know, coming into their shop, wearing my little penny loafers and my new briefcase. And, you know, I wanted to have more credibility. And I also wanted to understand the product and their business from their perspective, which I had no idea. So when I got to know one of the customers that my distributor sold to, it was Waltz Radiator and Muffler right here in Seattle. And I said, would you teach me how to install a muffler? And I still remember the look on his face. He said, well, do you know how to weld? And I said, uh, no, I'll have to learn how to do that too. So the cool thing is that my customers, which who were mostly men, were so good to me. You know, once I showed them I was interested, it reminds me of going to a foreign country. You hear the French are not friendly until you try to speak French and then they're all, they're friendly, right? You know, I spent a day in their shop working on cars, learning how to pull off an old muffler, put a new muffler on. And at the end of the day, I don't know that I would pro was proficient at it, but they knew that I wanted to understand their business from their perspective. You know, I got the affectionate name Muffler Mama. And that story just really spread through to my other customers, even to management in my own company. And I really feel like it was a, a, a very seminal moment in me getting to be so successful. It is the quintessential story of how do you learn in depth? about the product that you're selling, if you came from outside the industry, and people do this all the time, you get into the field, you talk to the user, you jump, in your case, you jump in the bay, you put on a welder's helmet, you pick up a ratchet, and you figure it out. And you probably could not have gained Muffler Mama as your, if you will, slogan, act, what, yeah, yeah, your moniker, if you didn't dive into the deep end of the pool. 
Exactly. I mean, I already, you know, I was a good student in college, you know, and, and when I went to work for Walker, I read all the manuals and went to the trainings and, you know, I knew all the the materials and how much back pressure different mufflers had, but you can only read so much. You can only learn from books. You have to be there. And we're talking about this many years later. I'm not going to reveal how many, but that was really one day in my life that, you know, I learned more than I ever could have any other way. So the credibility that Kay brings to our show and our audience is all about the fact that she lived it for a a bunch of years and, and was very successful selling exhaust. And when you told me that story, it reminded me of my daughter, Tracy, and we have yet to release the video. But Tracy said to me one day, she said, dad, love this industry. So happy to be part of the podcast. I want to learn how to change my own oil. I want to see what a digital vehicle inspection looks like. I want to change tires. And so we're working on that. We actually had her change her own oil. And so Tracy also realized that if she didn't dive into the deep end of the pool, knowing who it was that was our audience, she wasn't going to be as successful. And uh, she can help me carry the weight. So thank you. I think that's awesome. And not only will she learn and get credibility. But what does that say about Tracy, that she wants to do that? Um, You know, because there may be the exact example of me installing a muffler or Tracy learning to change your own oil. You know, that might not apply to everyone, but the attitude of saying, I want to learn this. I want to do that. It shows, I mean, sales, any kind of success in life takes a work ethic. And, you know, you can't just skate by and, you know, go through the motion. So that speaks volumes about your daughter. And I can tell right now she's going to be successful because that's the type of person she is. Hey, Carm here. Now, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022 and who represents the best of the best. Now it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Now, these awards will recognize a shop owner of the year, service advisor of the year and technician of the year. An independent panel of shop owners will select the award recipients based on their commitment to training, as well as community, charitable and industry involvement. Apex will honor and celebrate the award winners during the opening keynote address at Apex 2022 in November in Las Vegas. Hey, don't wait. Nominations are due by August 31st. To nominate your outstanding industry leader, go to aapexshow.com slash service awards. Now, I know you know an outstanding shop owner, service advisor, or technician who's gone above and beyond this year. aapexshow.com slash service awards. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX. My friends at GetShopware.com. 
Let's talk about our sales counters, our service advisors, our service managers. We are looking, it seems, in the industry for women, and we're not trying to single it out, but it seems like they could have a tremendous relationship with the fact that women constitute plus 60% of who the, the customer are, is over our counter. And you said it. How can an individual, even an outsider, people that are in customer service that come inside of the automotive business, really learn about what it is that they're selling? They really have to go almost like what you just suggested. So how do people get into sales in an industry that they're not comfortable with? Sales in general is all about being uncomfortable. (laughs) It really just is because I think of, you know, your mom said, don't talk to strangers. Well, what is sales? It's all about talking to strangers. So, you know, everyone is uncomfortable doing that the first time, you know, but I mean, I think of when you're a speaker and they say, picture your audience in your underwear, in their underwear, you know, I mean, we're all just people. And if you can make a human connection, that really helps you get over the fear. And so, you know, when I was a woman in the automotive industry at that time, one of very few, you know, it just, once you get past the kind of the fear factor, because I think, you know, people are uncomfortable dealing with someone who is, you know, is not like them, but we're all people. It's about making the human connection. And unfortunately, the only way to truly get over being fearful of something is to do it. You know, Nike nailed the phrase, just do it. And then the next time it will be easier. But I think, really remembering sales. And as I talk about in the, in the book, it's a win-win proposition. You want to learn about what someone wants and needs and help deliver that to them. And if you can do that, and that is really your goal, then that also takes a lot of the fear away because you're not trying to push something down their throat or, or make them do something they don't want to do. You want to help them because, you know, people that come into an automotive service repair, they're, they're fearful too. You know, what's wrong with my car and how much is this going to (laughs) cost? They don't know all about cars. They're relying on you to help them. I love what you're saying, and I think it resonates with our industry. So let me just challenge our listener. Now, get this episode out to all our future salespeople who may want to join the industry, because I think Kay just nicely summed it up, but also to all of our current salespeople. I mean, I think there's some key things that we're going to talk about, you know, especially this whole thing about fear. And also in your book, one of the pieces I loved was listen like Sherlock Holmes. And I want to, I want to cover that because I think listening is one of the biggest and key skills, but the whole moose concept. I mean, you know, your husband covered it in his book and you picked it up and you ran with it. Let's talk about the moose. And it is a, it's kind of like the avatar that people look for. So let's talk about uh, what you mean by uh, finding your moose. If someone is actually watching this episode and Carm, you can see it, you can see the picture of the moose lit and highlighted in my background because that is such a fundamental concept of uncopyable. And Moose is your ideal target market. And the analogy is that imagine you're a hunter, which I am not a hunter except for um, a deal on shoes. But if you were hunting Moose, first, where would you go? You would not go to Arizona. You know, you would go up north. What kind of language or bait, let's say bait, would you use to call the moose? What kind of, what would you need to learn about their habitat? 
any time that if you were hunting moose, if you were wasting time in attracting bear or rabbit or deer, that would be preventing you from hunting your moose. So moose is what we call the target market. And the more you can define who your your absolute best client would be. And one way to do that is to think about your current client base. Who is the, you know, the easiest to work with? Who, you know, do you serve the best and do you make the most profit from? That is your moose. And followers of Uncopyable, just like you said, Carm, this really resonates because it's such a simple concept. Think of your target market as your moose. And that's who you want to spend time building relationships with, attracting them and pursuing and building a relationship so that you can get ongoing repeat sales and referrals. We've recently done some episodes on uh, not only demographics, but psychographics on taking that entire customer base and thinning it down so that you truly understand everything that's going on with family and and uh, what their dreams and their occupations and all that stuff are. And that is such a great concept. So from now on, as Kay defines, it's not your avatar, it's your moose. So your ideal buyer and your ideal marketplace. And yes, we know as shop owners that we fix cars, but do we really know who our, that ideal individual, that person is that we want to come in our doors so that they will love the culture that we have just as much as we do. It truly is a win-win. The more you can know your moose, the better chance you have of that kind of uh, relationship. So, you know, it's knowing them, it's being very focused on your moose. So, Kay, we have this product, an inspection-style process that we have in our industry called DVI, Digital Vehicle Inspection. And it is truly some brilliant software that was created uh, maybe maybe about three or four years ago now. And it steps the, t- the technician through taking pictures and looking at go and no-go options on the vehicle because it's all about being safe and reliable, if you will, a health check on your vehicle. And the individual then ends up getting that on their phone and they could actually scroll through it. And people that are doing digital vehicle inspections, they're in their office and they're saying, hey, does your shop do something like this? And so you've got pictures of the tire and your brake thickness and sometimes even a diagnostic diagnosis of the fluids in your vehicle. And we offer this up and I thought it would be so genius to hear from you is how do we help customers make buying decisions on this information? Because so much we have people that will walk away and say, I'll get that done later. I'll get that done later. So there's a lot of work that isn't sold that's necessary. Can you offer up any ideas on helping them make that decision? Well, I'm thinking of myself as a customer. And actually, this is interesting on Saturday, Steve went golfing, my husband, Steve, and he came back in the house at six in the morning and said, I've got to take your car because I have a flat tire. And so, so I actually called AAA and had the tire, uh, you know, they filled the tire with air. Then I went over to the tire store. Well, the tire is not fixable because it's punctured too close to the rim or the inner wall. I don't know. I don't know tires. 
that was such a disruption to my day. I spent my entire day dealing with that problem. So this DVI, this is very um, interesting timing because it's 48 hours later and I'm a busy person and your customers are busy people. And to me, you know, taking care of something now, the hassle factor, the time, the potential cost, I mean, it's like your health. You can let things go with your health and it, you know, a lot of times it does nothing but get worse. So I think that when you look at your moose as a person, like we've talking about all the different things that they have to deal with. And, you know, they've got, you know, their job and maybe their kids and grocery shopping and all the things that they have to do. This is a way for them to minimize the the amount of time and interruption from, you know, something going wrong at the worst possible time. It could be money. And so many shops today have, you know, great ways to finance major repairs. But let's break this down. I love the convenience factor. If we get it done now, it may save you some real inconvenient hassles down the road. But isn't this no like and trust factor? We're talking about that in our industry more than ever. No like and trust. Let me talk about the, the these hierarchy of customers that we have been talking about in our industry. You've got a consumer who may come in from a marketing ad or someone may have offered them up to you and says, hey, uh, Charlie said I should stop, stop by. They're still a consumer. You got to make them a customer. You ultimately need to make them a client so that they can know, like, and trust you, vice versa. And then an advocate or an ambassador. And I guess I'd like to know from you, the stronger we have a client relationship, the easier it would be to make these recommendations. I mean, we've discovered this stuff in your vehicle. It, just in case Steve's, maybe Steve had a tire that really was about ready to go bad because, you know, it had less tread on it and he's driving down the road and maybe he hits something that punctured it. It may have not punctured it in the past. Any thoughts or considerations? I know I just rambled for a, a little bit. Can you get a handle on what I'm looking for? Well, I'm, you know, I talk about in the book, becoming a trusted advisor. So when you say no, like, and trust, yes, you need to develop that relationship. We touched on listening, but we kind of, you know, went past that. But that is so huge, listening to the customer. I said recently to someone, we never get bored when we're talking. Do you ever notice that? Nobody says, oh, I got to go <laughs> when they're talking. <laughs> it's always when you're talking. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so really, we all like to talk, even if we're quiet. If we get something, if we're a quiet person, if we are on something that we want to talk about that's in, of interest to us, I, I really encourage you, you know, when you're talking to a customer, ask the questions that will get them talking. That is one of the biggest ways to build trust. Now, I love this DVI system because, you know, in the past when I've got my oil changed, you know, they come out and they say, oh, you know, here's your air cleaner. It's really dirty. And I'm th thinking, okay, they have a big pile of air cleaners back there. And they just pull one out and say, here's your air cleaner. I don't even know. But so to have a system is, I think, a huge start because of technology. You really can give them great information that they need. But yes, they need to trust you that you're going to advise them. And, you know, one thing you can always talk about other people's car, you know, other people who waited or didn't wait, talk about the advantages. Like you said, it might be a huge money savings to get something taken care of now. But ultimately, you do have to build that trust. 
I think one of the best ways to build trust quickly is to listen. And you know what? I'm a talker. I'm a sales, you know, I love to talk. We love to talk about ourselves, but listening and letting silence happen while the customer thinks about this, you know, educating them and then saying, you know, what do you think, you know, or getting them to talk is huge in building trust. I think that's a big takeaway. This is a huge takeaway. I I think our industry knows this. I think professional salespeople know that you can't do all the talking. I don't know what percentage, Kate, can you recommend a percent? I mean, should it be we talk 30, we listen 70? Any idea? Or is it situational? I don't have a percentage, but I'm just going to say listen more. However much you think that you're listening, just that is one of the biggest complaints. When I talk to people who purchase things, they just say, oh, the salesperson went on and on. And sometimes it's just because they're excited about, you know, we're, we're excited about what we're selling. We know, oh, you really need to do this. But it's just such a discipline, I think, is to just letting the customer talk. And and again, be letting there even be silence, which, you know, two seconds of silence feels like a year, but they might be thinking. The, the Sherlock Holmes piece in your book is is brilliant. If we need every once in a while to plug in as a salesperson, to plug in, go watch a Sherlock Holmes movie and realize that he's asking a ton of questions and he's learning from all of the answers and he's helping shape, if you will, who he thinks done it. Go into the Sherlock Holmes thing for us because that could be the way we get ourselves back to center. Think of that you're looking for clues. You're looking for clues on what motivates someone, what's important to them, what their stress levels are, their body language. Maybe even, you know, when you're going, you know, I think of being an outside sales, you'd go into someone's office and you could look to see what they've got hanging on their walls. But you can, you know, clue into how that person is is thinking. I do have an example in the book of a time that I went to a palm reader and, you know, I did it just for fun because I don't really think, I don't really believe that your palms <laughs> determine your destiny, but it was so fascinating to see how she would look at me and not my palms to come up with her predictions. So it's really, it's about studying the person and learning just beyond what they say, but looking for actual clues. Oh, that brings back a thought of that that I had when I was a very young person. Uh, I went to a, I don't know, psychic, and don't ask me why. It was my, it was my young fiance at the time who heard about this. But I won't go into it. But I, it profoundly changed some of the thoughts that I have. And even today, I think back at what that person said. Oh, yeah. And also, did the young fiance become the woman you married, I hope? The psychic told her that she was going to be married by the end of the year, and she explained who it was and what this person looked like. And we had known each other years earlier, and I hadn't re-met her, and I re-met her, and we were married by the end of that year. So the psychic was so right about, about Anne's future. Yeah, that was. Wild. I better keep an open mind because that's a pretty cool story. <laughs> oh, it's a great story, and there was even there was even more. Thank you for reminding me that because I keep writing down all these stories that I ultimately want to tell people. It says, Carm, tell us more about you. So, I may be be doing an episode uh, someday. Okay, you mentioned earlier the, the whole thing about fear is good. You mentioned in the book, what's the worst that can happen if you're afraid of something, right? Right, and you know, in in a sales setting. Really, when you say, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, I hope people will read my book. The first slide in the book is my first sales call was a disaster. 
And it was all about fear. And really, you know, we have this dialogue in our heads. And honestly, you could say, what is the worst that's going to happen? Worst thing that can happen. You're not going to die. The reason I say fear is good, because even as an experienced salesperson, if I'm really going for a big account or, or, you know, something that could be a big win, it can be scary. You know, if you're never afraid, I think that's kind of a bad sign. You're not really pushing your limits. So do something that scares you. I mean, it's good to to do that just to keep in practice. But yeah, just, you know, think what's the worst thing that can happen? Know that every time you do it, it will make it easier. And then, you know, and also I talk about, imagine how you're going to feel once you have done it. You know, I mean, for you, you know, somebody listening might be a good podcast guest, but you're, you're saying, you know, I don't know, you know, that would be, you know, scary because I might look dumb or whatever. And, and you, yeah, you might, but you know what, once you've done it, you say, Hey, I did something that was out of my comfort zone. It's, you know, helps you grow. I've heard that a lot, Kay. Really people have, you know, reluctantly, and I don't mean that, that I kicking and screaming come on the show. And they says, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, I've heard from my friends, you make it easy. And they, they come on the show. And then I say, hey, this was so good. Would you come on again sometime? And they say, yes. And then it just gets easier. So it's that almost pushing through the fear. And I always tell people, listen, if you didn't like the episode, we won't publish it. I mean, I, I, that's my pledge to people. We don't have to put it out if you feel that it was your worst work ever. <laughs> our whole theme in what we do, our vision is to advance the aftermarket. And person like you, who not only is an author, but you know, you broke your teeth in the early days in our beloved aftermarket, you come on this show to help people uh, with sales secrets and try to be uncopyable. You know, the whole premise of you, Steve's book and, and your book is be unique and be different and, and find things. That, why would someone want to come and buy from me? Exactly. Not because you're boring and sit in the corner and don't try anything new. <laughs> I know. And then let's talk about shaking off failure, which I know was a great other premise in your book. Failure happens all the time. And even today, I still may get down on myself if something doesn't work the way I want it to, but it's to me the biggest learning curve I could ever get. Right. And, you know, it's funny, somebody asked me recently, how do you deal with rejection? And I said, not very well. <laughs> and I think if we're honest, yeah, none of us likes to be rejected. None of us likes to fail. But when you understand sales, business, life, it's, you know, you can read, you know, Thomas Edison, you know, it, just anybody who's ever accomplished anything has to has had to work through that. And you can, too. If you're listening to this or watching this podcast, you're the type of person who wants to push yourself and be better. And, you know, it's not always fun, but, you know, it's just, you know, you can do it. A big takeaway was I only use products I'd only use on my own vehicle. And I took that premise away. And I, Kay, I, I want to dive into this a little bit. Think of our salespeople at our counters and they're going out and they're saying, listen, you really need this, you know, 55,000 mile maintenance routine. And we're going to, you know, put some special chemicals and clean your fuel injectors. If that's been done to my own personal vehicle, 
it would be so easy. No, whatever product I use, whatever service that I was trying to sell, if I've had it done to me, it can't be that hard to ever sell. Exactly. And you can even say, if it were me, this is what I would do. This is the decision that I would make. And if you can say that, you know, that as an honest statement, you know, what else do you need? You know, that I think is the ultimate statement that you believe in what you're selling. And and I'm sure that people, you know, listening, once you learn, you truly learn the benefits of what you're selling and why it's important, then you can say that. If this were me, this is the decision I would make. Brilliant. Thank you for that. One final thing I'm looking at here is, I wrote this down and I don't remember where I got this from. Look at what everyone else is doing and do the opposite. Now, the whole premise of Uncopyable is that. That's what I meant to say. Can you offer some ideas as to what we can do from a sales structure inside of these very professional shops today? I mean, there's some, we have some of the best shops for automotive repair in the world that exist here in the United States, in, in, in total North America. And how do we discover what other people are doing? For example, the car dealer is doing and that, you know, we want to do better and different. Well, I mean, you can observe what you see other people doing. You can also just think about something that you can do to be unique. I mean, one example is that I'm wearing an orange scarf. And our branding color is orange. And every single time I'm on a podcast or speak or do anything, I'm wearing orange. And it's just a little thing, but it's meaningful. You know, we have literally gotten business because people will see something orange. We have a, you know, a language. We talk about being uncopyable. There you go. Uncopyable. We talk about moose. There may be something in your language that you can talk, you know, like like you mentioned the word avatar. It's so common. It's what everybody else calls the target market, your ideal customer. How about thinking of your own language, something that you can, you know, that's just commonly accepted that you can just think a little bit differently about, have it your, you stand out in your customer's mind. So I would just say, you know, yeah, go into even your waiting area or just imagine the customer and that experience. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a small thing. I mean, I notice this is common actually in, in resorts, for example, people will have their name tag with where they're from. Well, it's a little piece of personal information that I really find interesting. Um, you know, you shared a story that you just remembered about this psychic. I really enjoyed learning a little bit about you. So I I guess, you know, if you can think about something that makes you just a little bit interesting, unique, it can be a small thing. I would challenge the listener to do that. Let me share something that happened maybe about a month or two ago with an interview I did with a great shop owner named Brett Beachler. Boy, I, I hope I have this right, Brett. If not, I apologize or whoever it was. But over the door, over the door of the bays, there's a technician name and the number of years. Public view, big. Remember in the, in the old days, it would say lube oil and filters, tune-ups and tires. Well, all over the bays are the tenured employees or technicians in the number of years. Now, that's something that's different and uncopyable because he thought it was great to pay homage to his people like that. I love that. You know what? I would love to see a picture of the technicians with their family, a little family photo say, okay, here's, you know, here's my wife and kids. 
just a little something to connect you with that person. We do a show every Tuesday live. It's a virtual shop tour, and we get a chance to see inside of Curb Appeal, then inside the, the customer's perspective, and then what's going on in the back of the shop. And more and more, I'm seeing the pictures of the team with any certifications that they have and a little mini bio about them. But Kay, it's brilliant. Them and their family would take the place of the 8 by 10 You know, eyeballs are always good, you know, in any type of whatever. We're attracted to other people. And so, yeah, if I saw a family photo of somebody or, you know, something, oh, here's what I do in my spare time, I would totally tune into that. And we talk so much as entrepreneurs, small business owners, that we're feeding so many families. That's almost the proof when someone comes in and says, I'm not just giving money to CARM, I'm giving whatever the money is. I'm getting my car fixed and it's being made safe and reliable, but I'm doing business with families. Right. I totally love that. Oh, I love that too. That is, to me, that's the reason to listen is right that to the, the one very thing? end. That's, that's the one thing. <laughs> listen to learn just one thing. That's it. And it's that would be easy to do too. It doesn't cost you anything. No, there's, there's nothing there. In fact, you snap the picture with the smartphone, you press a button or two, it comes in the mail the next day, or you take it to the drugstore, you plug in your US. It's so easy today to get pictures once you take them, huh? Yep. That would be powerful. Yeah, genius. Thank you. Wow. See, why did I know you were going to come here and and land a big one for us? Maybe you're psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're killing me. All right, good. (laughs) Listen, any final words? Obviously, I want you to go out and buy Uncopyable Sales Secrets from Kay Miller, but uh, any way for people to think deep down about how to make an uncopyable advantage? Well, I think in a way... If you let go of some of the thinking and just say, you know what, I'm connecting with another person. This person is like me. And how can I help them get what they want? If you think of sales like that, think of your customers like that, you will win at sales and business. Sounds like a um, a, a quote from, uh, who was that, Zig? Oh, yeah. A lot of the big gurus. Yeah, I know. Similar things. And one thing I was going to say about my book, you know, I do cover a lot of basics in the book. I have some unique ideas, too. But some people say, oh, yeah, I I know a lot of this stuff. And I say, but do you do them? That's the thing. We get into bad habits. So just, you know, just the one thing. Keep listening to Carm and, and be a lifelong learner because you will benefit. I read a book a long time ago called The Knowing Doing Gap, and I don't remember who wrote it, but that was kind of so much about, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And if you have kids, you've heard that, you know, you need to clean your room. I know, mom. (laughs) But you never do. But you don't. (laughs) Kay Miller, Uncopyable Sales Secrets, How to Create an Unfair Advantage and Outsell Your Competition, which is something we kind of would enjoy. Uh, But, you know, we always talk, Kay, in our industry that fellow shop owners that are independent like us, they're not our competition. You know why? There's enough business for everybody. Just run a great business and the customers will flock. Exactly. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you to everyone listening and watching. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 